I wanted to show you a picture this morning of an interesting picture that I found online. Aren't these interesting photos? The first photo is a very popular Instagram photo. Uh, I mean, look at it. It's, you know, you've got the calm water, you've got the horizon in the background. I mean, doesn't that picture just make you look like, you can just look at that all day and go, ah, I just relax when I see that picture. Now, this is the same photo, the opposite side on the bottom. Look in the other direction. Now, how's that perspective for you? Does that, does that just make you go, ah, no, <laughs> it doesn't. And this is the way trials and tribulations are. Challenges, circumstances that come in our life. We can have two different perspectives about it. We can just focus on the challenge and focus on, you know, all the chaos in our life down here. Or we can do, decide to do what Jesus did. And he said, take my yoke upon you because it's easy it's light. Doesn't that look easy and light to you, that top picture? And so all we have to do is we, have to, we need to turn around. <laughs> we just simply need to turn around and set our focus on Jesus. All right? Amen. How, how many of you agree with that? You say, hey, that's me. I'm going <laughs> to... Okay. Well, that was no extra charge, okay, for that. That's not my message today. I just saw that picture and thought it was interesting. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us. Thank you for giving us exactly what we need today. And Lord, we thank you that our best days are out in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor. Say your best days are out in front of you. Come on. Come on, act like there's 3,000 in here. It's all right. <laughs> you can be seated. Well, at least the rest of everybody. You know, last week I began to talk about patience. And, man, we had a remarkable thing that happened last week. We had all this, uh, man, the Spirit of God just came into this place and worship went, uh, went for a while. And so I wasn't able to get everything done on patience. And I didn't feel like the Lord said that you were done with patience. And so today... You know, how many of you on your iPhones or your other phones, smartphone, in general, you get updates, right? And it's important to do your updates. Well, this message is an update, okay? So last week was part one. This is 1.2, okay? This is not the bug fix. This is the update, amen? So would you turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10. Patience is a choice. And when you make the choice to be patient, patient, then guess what? God is going to help you. And, and if you're patient long enough, you'll see victory in your life in every situation. Listen to what this former U.S. congressman, this is Frank A. Clark, listen to what he said. He said, a lot of impulsive mistakes are made by people who simply aren't willing to stay bored a little longer. Sometimes patience is being bored. It seems boring. Why? Because you want movement. You don't see movement in the spiritual because you can't see it. But whenever we ask God for something, spiritually, movement is happening. Stuff is happening in the supernatural as long as we stay in faith, as long as we stay in patience. Because faith and patience are the two sides of, of a very important coin because we inherit the promises through faith and patience. So a lot of people will start in faith, but sometimes when it comes to the patience part, they're going, ah. I just don't see anything happening. And if you're willing to stay bored a little longer, then God will come through for you. It'll happen if you don't give up. It'll happen if you don't quit. I heard about this woman named Thelma Toole. 
Her son, John, was an amazing young man. She, she believed in John more than anybody. I mean, she's a good mom. Moms do that. And John was interesting because when he was a teenager, he began to write a book. And he wrote it all the way up into the 60s. He finished it in the 60s when he was in the military. He served in the army. And when he finished the book, he thought, well, when I get out of the army, I'm going to send it to some publishers and see, you know, see if I can publish a book. Well, when he got out, he began to send it to these different publishers, and they, he found out nobody wanted to read his book. Nobody wanted to give, his, give him a chance on his book. But his mom really encouraged him like good moms do. She said, son, this is a great book. You need to continue to send this out. Well, in 1969, he gave up in despair. He just, he just quit. Didn't, didn't want to do it anymore. And, but his mom didn't. His mom still took that manuscript, and she began to send it out to all of these different publishers. And she even hand-delivered it. And she got the same answer every single time, and it was always, no, we're not interested in publishing that book. We don't think it's marketable, you know. And so she was like, she didn't give up, though. And she heard about Louisiana State University was going into the publishing business. And she decided she would contact them because the story is actually written in Louisiana. So she contacted them and wanted to know if they would be interested in the book. And they actually, they were. And they decided to print the book. And their hopes was they would print it and sell enough just to break even. Well, they didn't anticipate it, but that book became a bestseller. In fact, critics hailed it as the year's best. And they sold 40,000 hardback copies. I mean, just right pretty quick out of the gate. And on top of that, in 1981, it won the prestigious uh, Pulitzer Prize Award for Fiction, the book. And so this manuscript that nobody won, won that award. But her son, John, see, he gave up, though. He gave up on the book. In fact, he gave up in despair. He gave up on the world because he thought the world had given up on him. And in 1969, he put a gun to his head and ended his life at the age of 32. And in 1981, when she received the Pulitzer Prize reward, she received it in John's name. So he gave up on the idea, but you know who didn't? His mama. And so I want to encourage you this morning. It, don't give up. Whatever you've been holding on to, whatever you've been patient about, man, hang in there. God will come through. We just need to stick with it a little longer, right? Stick with it a little longer. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 35 says this. This is in the NLT. It says, So do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember, great reward, the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So what do we need in order to experience the reward? Everybody's favorite <laughs> word, patience. Patience. Well, I'm just not a patient person. Well, you might want to work on that <laughs> because there's a lot of reward with patience. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. It says, but imitate those, so don't be quick to give up, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Listen to this in the message. Be like those who stay the course through committed faith and receive everything promised. Man, Christians need this, in our, we need this in our lives. We need staying power, don't we? Man, just start it and stick with it. Be patient with it. 
Wow, and you can receive everything promised if you'll stay the course. Listen to what John Maxwell said. He said, improving yourself is the first step to improving everything else in your life. You want to improve everything else in your life? Start with yourself. And I would encourage you to start with patience. Man, because there's so much detached to patience. So this morning, here's what I felt to do. I wanted to give you three practical ways that you can practice patience. You can perfect your patience. I know there's a lot of P's in there. Three practical ways to perfect your patience. Practice your patience. Number one, when trouble comes, hold on to your joy. When trouble comes, hold on to your joy. What's trouble coming sometimes is the very first, sometimes that's the very first thing that people lose. They hear the news and they lose their joy. They're like, oh man, oh man. Sometimes you can lose your joy if you watch too much news. You know, you'd be watching decisions that are being made. Uh, this past week on Thursday, we got to go to the Capitol. They had Pastor's Day, and we got a tour of the Capitol, and we got to have worship there in the rotunda. It was amazing, man. We were worshiping God, singing how great is our God, listening to it echo all through this rotunda, you know, and people coming up, looking over down into the what's going on, you know. And, but the amazing thing to me was when we went into the Senate House where they make the decisions. And then they had the committee rooms, you know, where all the committees come in there and they argue over the, you know, they, well, they don't argue, well, they do, but they, they talk about the bill and it gets, passed in, it gets passed in there first before it goes to the House, then it passes the House, and then it goes to another committee, passes that committee, and then it passes, if it passes the last House, it goes to the governor, and he has the ability to either veto it or sign it into law. So there's all these steps to getting these passed and so you know we were we were happened to be in in the uh, senate house for this one portion that they were voting on an insurance it looked it seemed like a an addendum to an insurance bill and so they voted on it and it and it passed unanimously and i just thought lord how wonderful that would be if every bill was every we could all be in agreement you know and it would first of all be a good bill but then they had another bill that passed a committee that wasn't a good bill so there is a constant, you can sense in the capital the fight that's happening, that's going on in the spiritual climate there. So, but what's important for all of them? All the senators, all, of the, con all the congressmen, what do they need to do? They got to hold on to their joy. Trouble's going to come. You got to keep a smile on your face. And I was so impressed with Jerry Cox, the way that he could keep a smile on his face. And even when he heard the bad news about the, the bill, they brought a pretty goofy bill in and it passed the committee. And, and his, his assistant was not happy about it. But when she came and told him, I watched him. And you know, he just kept a smile on his face. And he just thought, you know, we, we didn't win that battle, but thank God we're going to win the war. So he kept a good attitude. So, but there's, there's things that will try to steal your joy. Listen to what James chapter 1 verse 2 says. It says, my friends, be glad even if you have a lot of trouble. <laughs> so even if you have a lot of trouble going on, what do you need to do? Be glad. Be glad. And you know what? You can, you can do this, and this is something that I've, I've, I've been working on lately quite a bit, is because your thoughts are what produce your attitude. You know, your thoughts are what produce your attitude. So what you think about will produce in your attitude, in your, in whether or not you can be happy. 
So if you want to keep joy, then what kind of things do you need to think on? Things that are true, honest, pure, lovely, good reports. Good reports are good things to focus on, right? That'll, that'll help your joy. But there are things that try to steal your joy. How about complaining? I've never seen a happy complainer. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's complaining about something all the time. Usually not very happy. Procrastination. When I was a mailman in Phoenix, Arizona, I, I was a mailman on a route that was way out in the desert. I mean, we didn't have, they weren't gravel roads, they were dirt roads. There was a little bit of gravel, but it was mostly dirt. And man, when you went driving down there, especially as a postman, and you're trying to get the mail delivered fast, I mean, it's just a big cloud of smoke constantly that just blows. And, you know, I would stop at a mailbox and, and put the mail in, and this cloud of smoke would then come blowing by, you know. And so the truck would get really dirty. Well, I worked for a man that had all of these subcontract routes, and I worked for him. And so the route that I had was a 360-box route, and it had a federal prison and an RV park on it. So I threw a lot of mail. And so he saw the truck one day and saw how dirty it was, and he said, Phil... He said, you know, you may want to go ahead and wash that truck. The truck belonged to him. He said, you may want to wash the truck. He said, it'll make you feel better. Well, you know, he was right. I went out and detailed that truck. Of course, it didn't last long. I mean, the next day, <laughs> it, was, it was dirty again. But it did make me feel better. And, and my attitude reflected that. So you might want to wash your... No, I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> I won't go there. Gossip. What about gossips? Seeking approval from people. Not keeping your word. Wow, that's a powerful one. It's hard to be happy when the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you going, eh, uh, uh, uh. Negative, a negative self-image, circumstances, living in the past, fear. These are all different kinds of things. But you know what? If you put the weapon of joy to work and you don't let these things rob your joy, you can use your joy as a weapon. I heard about this story. It was an amazing story about Napoleon's army. He had a general that had 18,000 troops, and they were nearing a small town in, in Austria. And as they were approaching, the Austrians saw them, and they got together with all the elders of the city and all the town because they had no defense. And they began to talk about their surrender and how they were going to surrender to Napoleon's army that was coming. Well, one wise man in the town decided, he said, you know what, tomorrow is Easter Sunday. He said, let's do this before we surrender. Let's have Easter service. He said, and let's do everything that we normally do on Easter. And let's put this trouble in the hands of the Lord. Wow, it was, it was a very strong statement. And they decided to do that. So they had Easter service. And the very first thing that they did as service was getting started, they rang those joyful bells in the tower, and they had all these bells, and man, they were ringing them the way that they would for Easter, and you know, there's a happy sound that bells can make, and so they're making this sound, and when Napoleon's army heard it, they thought the Austrian army had come to defend their town by hearing all these bells, and by the time the bells were done ringing, there wasn't a Frenchman anywhere around that place. They were all gone. They all left. So sometimes if you're facing challenges, issues, things are coming your direction that you're going, man, how am I going to deal with this? It's time to ring the joy bells. It's time to get your bell out and ring your bell and scare the enemy instead of allowing the enemy to scare you. Amen? Man, good preaching, Pastor Bill. So Mark Twain, Mark Twain said this. He said, the healthiest response to life is joy. The healthiest response to life is joy. Number two, 
Patience is developed when your faith is tested. Patience is developed when your faith is tested. These trials, these tribulations, these things that come, they're, they're more than just something to overcome. This is an opportunity to develop your patience. This is an opportunity to overcome. You know, I had no idea when, when we were fired from our job that, you know, what was going to happen was going to happen and that we were going to have to, we were going to have the opportunity to stand in faith. Well, do you know we had the opportunity to practice patience, to, to live in joy, to put a smile on our face, and we have seen God come through and be faithful in this entire process, you know, because you go from the security of having a job and having pay to not having pay, then, man, God has just been stepping up, and do you know we haven't missed anything? God has blessed us in it. I heard about this woman that was practicing patience. There was a man that had gone into a grocery store, and he saw this young mom, and she had her three-year-old daughter, and she was in the basket. She was going through the grocery store, going through the aisles, and they were shopping, you know, pretty much the same way, so he was, he, you know, he was there to witness a lot of this. The her little girl, when they got to the cookie aisle, her little girl said, Mommy, can we have some cookies? Mommy, please, can we have some cookies? And her mom said, Well, that's, honey, that's not on my list this week. And the little girl began to fuss and to complain about not getting cookies. And the mama said, Now, Monica, we only have half of the store to go through, so just be patient. Let me tell you, we'll have a great day at home today. We got good plans. And she got a little further. They got to the candy aisle. And now the little girl said, Mommy, Mommy, can we have candy? Can I have some candy, Mommy? And she said, well, that's not on my list either today. So, and she began to cry. And so she's crying now. And the mom said, now, Monica, everything is going to be fine. We're going to be at checkout in five minutes. Just be patient. And so they get to the checkout. And you know on the checkout they have all the stuff right there. On the, and now she wants gum. Now the little girl saying, Mommy, Mommy, can we have gum? Please let us have some gum. And she said, sweetheart, we're not buying gum today. And so now she began to throw a tantrum. So now, I mean, she's like laying over in the cart and she's crying, throwing a tantrum. And her mom said, now, Monica, we're, we're almost done and we're going to go home. We're going to take a nice nap, you know. And so, so she finishes paying. And when she finishes paying, this man that saw all this, he, he had just finished paying too, and they're walking out together, and he said, he said, I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with the way that you just patiently, uh, you know, was patient with little Monica. And she said, what do you mean? My name's Monica. The little girl's name is Chloe. <laughs> wasn't being patient with herself. It's James, James chapter 1, verse 4 says, let it do its work. This is the message translation. Patience. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. Now, I want to make a statement. Faith is tested when the promise is challenged. Faith is tested when the promise is challenged. When you decide, like Nicole said, you're going to take the Word of God and you're going to stand on a promise that it has given you, and then all of a sudden, whether it's the enemy, whether it's well-meaning people, whether it's even family members that come and they say th something that's contrary to the promise that you've received, then you have an opportunity to develop your faith. Yeah. You do. Because, because you chose to stand on the Word of God and now something has come, somebody's experience, somebody's you know, outcome or their opinion about what the Word of God says, 
will sometimes challenge what the Word of God says. And what that does is it challenges your faith because now you have a decision to make. Are you going to stand, continue to stand on the Word of God, on the promise that God said? We, had, we have some wonderful partners in the ministry that the very first time that we met them, they let us know, and, and Danny, you probably had this happen too, I'm sure, where they said, you know, Phil, we love what you guys are doing, and we're going to send you a check for X amount. Well, sometimes you don't know. You just keep your heart right, and you don't put your expectations in people. You put your expectations in God, and you just say, Lord, thank you. You know, when it comes, we'll rejoice and be excited about it. Well, it came, and it was a, it was a large amount. It was more than we had ever, you know, received before, and, and we said, well, thank you, Lord. Well, the next time, they said the same thing, and then they sent it again, and then they sent it again, and you know what happened was, I, now I believe their word, because every time they say they're going to do it, it arrives, and how much more when God says something, isn't what he said going to come to pass, if you choose to believe it, but let me tell you something, if we allow people's opinions or what happened to them or experience or circumstances change that, then it could stop it from happening in our life. Why? Because now we're doubting what God said. Man, that just impacted me today because, because we had that happen. And glory to God, it, it ministered to me. So stay focused on what God promised. There is nothing that faith and patience cannot accomplish. If you'll stick with it, staying power. We're not the kinds of Christians that give up. We're not easily moved. We're the kind of Christians that stick with it. We stay with it all the time. I heard about this man named Milton. He, he, he wanted more than anything to have a candy business. That sounds good, doesn't it? Candy business. And he was a, an apprentice for a printer, but he had been fired from his or let go, I mean, from his job. And they had to lay him off. And he thought, well, this is a good opportunity to start my candy business. And so he started this candy company. And the only problem was it didn't last long. It, it, for whatever reason, it didn't do well. And so he wound up closing the doors. So then he pulled, he pulled his resources together again, and he thought, you know, I really want to do this. So he started another business, candy business again. This one failed as well. So now he's, you know, struggling with it, but he decides, you know what, I'm going to give it one more shot. And so he he starts another candy company, has a different idea. Maybe this idea will be the one that works. Well, that one went bankrupt too. And he said, well, ah. months later, he finally decided, I'm going to give this thing one more shot. I'm going to try my best. And, and he, had a, he had a brand new idea for how he could mass produce candy. And so he, he, launched, he launched this company. In fact, he called it the Lancaster Caramel Company. And he started this company, and you know what happened? It started to make money. It started to do well. In fact, it, it became an enormous success. And it was the foundation that enabled him to start the company that he really wanted to start, another mass candy company, a big, big company that became a household name. In fact, it's named after his last name, Milton Hershey. And in fact, we have some of his candy out there on the on the bar, some kisses for you guys today. So, stick with it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 says this. It says, since God has so generously led us 
in on what he's doing. Aren't you glad about that? That God is the kind of God he lets you in on what he's doing. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. When you're faced with hard times, do you do that? Do you just say, oh, forget it. Man, do you just throw your hands up? Or are you the kind of person that sticks with it? You're going to stay patient, aren't you? Amen? Even in tribulation. Number three, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 in the message says this, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. Isn't that good news? He's not the kind of Father that you're bothering him. And you'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. He won't look down on you just because you're asking for help. Man, that's a good thing. It's wonderful to go to your father. I, I miss my dad. He died in 2013. But when I went to my dad on anything, he always helped me. And that's the kind of God that we serve. A God that's always willing to help. Right? Now, sometimes we get into situations where we may not understand something when we're trying to be patient. And this is an opportunity to practice patience as well, is especially when you don't understand why? Because you try to, you're thinking it through in your mind and you're filtering it and, and maybe, maybe what you're thinking is right, but maybe it's not right. Uh, Ronald Reagan shared a story about when he gave a speech in Mexico City and it was to all these uh, really important people, people of influence, dignitaries, and, and people in, in high offices. And he gave this speech, and when he gave the speech, nobody applauded. When he finished, it was a very meager applause. So he was just really deflated by it. He sat down and he said, and then this young dignitary, young man, got up from Mexico, got up and began to give a speech and people wouldn't let him finish his sentences and they were on their feet applauding and they were cheering and Reagan was like, what happened? And he said, so I started, and he said, I figured they didn't like my speech and he said, so I started clapping even before people clapped and I clapped after people clapped just kind of being smart aleck about it you know because he was he was upset that all, now all of a sudden people are cheering finally a Mexican amb ambassador leaned over to him and he said I, I wouldn't do that if I were you and he said well how come he said because he's translating your speech oh <laughs> translating okay <laughs> so when you don't understand you have an opportunity to be patient. Now, this is an area, I, I got to be honest, I'm working, I'm going to be vulnerable with you, I'm working on this, because sometimes I'm defining it this way when it's exactly the opposite of, of what I'm thinking. And thank you, Lord, he's helping us, isn't he? <laughs> isn't he? So, yeah, so understanding can save face. Ephesians 3, verse 13 says, happy, or in Reagan's situation, Unashamed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now, listen to what Jim Rohn said. You guys remember Jim Rohn? Great sex, uh, success communicator. Uh, Jim Rohn, he said this, If you are not willing to risk the unusual, you will have to settle for the ordinary. If you're not willing to risk the unusual, you will have to settle for the ordinary. Now, sometimes wisdom looks a little unusual. In fact, think about Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. <clears throat> you remember Moses wasn't able to come into the promised land. All, the, all that generation were not able to come into the promised land. It was which generation? The Joshua generation. They got to go into the promised land. So now they come across 
and they walk into the promised land, and the very first city that God says, I want you to take is the city of Jericho. Jericho has walls that are 30 feet high. I mean, they are, their city seems from the surface impenetrable. I mean, just this massive uh, place that you can't get in and everything is locked down. <clears throat> but the Lord gives him unusual instructions. What does he say to do? He says, for six days, I want you to march around the city, right? One time, your whole army. And I want you to be absolutely silent. That would be eerie, wouldn't it? Could you think you're up on the wall the third day and you're watching these guys go around your city and you're going, this is really freaking me out. What is going on? So the six days they do that, seventh day, and now they're marching around seven times. Now the people on the wall are thinking, what are they doing? They only went once yesterday. They're on three, four, five, six. And then the Lord said, on the, after you march around the seventh time, I want you to stop, blow the trumpets, and I want you to shout with everything within you. And what happened? The walls came down, and they came down to the point that the children of Israel just walked right into the city, and they took dominion over it. But God gave them instructions. He said, listen, this whole city is dedicated to me. Destroy all of it. He said, I want you to destroy everything in the city. And so they thought they had destroyed everything. Joshua, you know, all he knew was that they had destroyed everything. Well, now it comes to the next city. The next city was Ai. AI is, they, they go and they spy it out, and the spies come back and say, there's only 3,500 people in that city, and 3,500 men. Just send 3,500 of our guys down, and they'll take care of it. And so Joshua doesn't seek the Lord. He doesn't pray. He doesn't get counsel. He just sends the guys. So the men come, and what happens? The men of AI, they come out, and they chase the men of Israel, and they start to kill them, and they flee for their life. And they retreat, and they come back to Israel, and they tell Joshua what's, what's happened. And Joshua, he rips his clothes, he puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he lays down, lays before the Lord, and he cries out to God. And God doesn't say anything for a little while. Sometimes God <laughs> lets us, you know, let, lets it soak in. And then God finally speaks to him, and he says, what are you doing laying in the dirt? He said, well, Lord, I mean, did you see what happened? AI came out and they, they, they killed our men. They killed 38, I think it was 38 of our men that they killed. And, and we didn't take the city. And the Lord said, well, you didn't ask me. If you would have asked me, I would have told you one of the people of Israel had taken something that was dedicated to the Lord, and it's in their tent right now. And Joshua says, oh. And the Lord helps him find out who that man was. It was a man named Achan. And, and because... He didn't destroy what was dedicated to God. God destroyed him and his entire family. But then the Lord gave them instructions. Now Joshua could hear. He, and God even told him, he said, look, if you had prayed, I would have revealed this to you about Achan all along. You would have known it and you could have taken care of it, could have gotten sin out of the, out of the camp, and then you would have gone in and followed my directions and you would have had success in the city. But he didn't. And so when, when he did, when they took care of that sin, and when he asked God, God gave him the plan, and they were able to take AI. Hmm. God has the plan. So what can we learn from Joshua? Ask before you move. Shouldn't you ask before you move? And then also, be open to unusual strategies. Too often when we pray, we seek, we're not really seeking God for the answer we already have made up our mind what we're going to do, and we just want God to agree with it. 
Have you ever done that before? You have a plan? Well, I learned something, and I know this is a big revelation here, but God is smarter than you. <laughs> he's, he's smarter than me. <laughs> None of us, on our best day, we couldn't come up with the things that God is able to come up with. I, I, had, I had no idea the, the ways that God has helped Nicole and I to be able to do the things that we're able to do in, in ministry. And I look back at it and I go, God, on my best day, I couldn't have come up with that. I couldn't have thought of that. You're so smart. He is. And he wants to help us. Amen? So, and here's the other thing, is when it's God's vision, his provision is attached to it. Just like Abraham, he provided the land for the sacrifice. And Abraham called him Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord that provides. Amen? Amen. So, faith and patience, it'll go a long way. It'll go a long way. But patience is a huge part of that. And we just have to be willing to be patient in a popcorn society. <clears throat> I heard about this little girl that visited a farm, and she wanted to buy a watermelon. And she got this big watermelon. She was just a little 10-year-old girl. And she walked up, and she put the watermelon on the counter and talked to the farmer. And she said, I want to buy the watermelon. And he said, okay, that watermelon right there is $3. And she said, oh, I only have 30 cents. So the farmer said, well, he said, look out that window there. He said, you see that little, that smaller watermelon on the vine out there? And she said, yeah. He said, you can have one of those for 30 cents. And she goes, she smiled real big. She set the watermelon down and she dug in her pocket. She pulled out her 30 cents and laid it on the table. And she said, there you go. She said, that's for the watermelon. She said, leave it on the vine. I'll be back in 30 days. <laughs> she was willing to wait good things come to those who are willing to wait right so what am I saying this morning I'm saying this James chapter 1 verse 4 says let patience have its perfect work let patience have its perfect work in your life don't give up when you do this you'll lack nothing man thank you Lord your patience will pay off. So let's recap those three things. Number one, when trouble comes, hold on to your joy. Number two, patience is developed when your faith is tested. And number three, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Even if you think you know what to do. You know, we had a partner that... that <clears throat> And we were believing God, you know, in, the, in this launch. And, and, and I, I just see every part of ministry as, a, as such an important part. You know, the, the light, the, the visually, the uh, video, the sound, uh, the lighting, every, everything. When people come in, we don't want any distractions. We want people to be ministered to. And we want people to be able to, you know, receive everything that God has for them. And so as I was thinking about sound, I'm... I'm a musician in my background, and I just really wanted to have, uh, you know, uh, a nice sound system. And so I had this thought about speakers, and, and we did a lot of research, just the size that we are, and being able to be mobile and portable, and, and, but yet have a, have a good sound. And, and so I shared this with a partner, and, and they decided they wanted to sew into that. And so they sent the check. But even now that the check is here, I'm, now I'm still going, Lord, if you want me to do something different, I'm willing to do something different. We want to do what you want us to do. 
with it. And I think, you know, it, sometimes we have to live in a tent in our heart. Do you know what I mean by that? You remember when the children of Israel were traveling around the wilderness and they were going to different places all the time? And they would get to another place. And could you imagine you're setting your tent up, you get your tent all set up, you get the fire finally started, you get everything on there, you get your pot finally on the fire, and you get your livestock all organized and kind of corralled in so that they're not running off, and you get your kids in place, you got laundry hanging up on the line, and then a knock comes on the door. Hey, hey, the, the cloud's moving. I, I just got set. Well, I know, but the cloud's moving. <laughs> we go with the cloud. And then they got to pack everything up, put the fire out, get the livestock all ready to go, get their kids on the wagon. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? That's living in a tent in your heart. It's okay to live in a house. It's okay to have nice things. And I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is in, in here, man, we need to live in a tent in our heart. We need to be willing to change and to give up the usual for the unusual. Give up the natural for the super natural that God wants to do because even though even though you have your plans it's still important to submit those plans to God's plan and to be willing to be patient because you don't know that around the corner and around the bend and down that street in San Francisco if you've ever driven down it that at the end of that God has something for you that's spectacular that'll blow you away are you willing to be patient for it I have the sneaky suspicion that many of you are being patient right now. That you already have something in your heart that God has put in there. And the vision of it seems like it's way out there. It doesn't seem like it's a couple blocks. It seems a thousand miles away from you. In the natural. But in the supernatural, God can make it happen. But you have to make the choice today to not give up and to allow patience to have its perfect work. Because then you'll be complete. You'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me all around the room? If that's you, I, I want to pray for you. And it's never a bad idea to admit that we need God. <laughs> we, we need God in our lives. So, Father, right now I pray for every person here. God, I thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, for the dreams, the visions, the plans that you have for their life that you've put in there. They're not plans to frustrate. They're plans that give us a future and a hope. And, God, we latch on to that hope. But, God, we ask that you help develop in us that perfect patience. Lord, develop patience in us. And, God, we know that sometimes that means you... Patience is developed through trials and other things that you use that bear the fruit of patience. But God, we thank you that you are developing it in us in such a degree that we are able to overcome. We're able to push through. We have staying power. We're winners. We're not quitters. We're people that won't give up no matter what it looks like. So Father, I thank you this morning for doing that perfect work in us. Have your way, God. Speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Now, would you pray this after me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're developing in me perfect patience. I receive that, and I receive this word personally. 
In Jesus' name, amen.